Hello, my name's Will McCarris, and for the next half hour, this is The Pilgrim's Pod. Thank you, thank you, and welcome to the program where we aim to provide a little pod of spiritual beans to the weary Christian. Well, we have most of our usual segments coming up for you in this episode. We'll hear a story told by a listener. I'll chat to a special guest. I'll tell you a long story of my own. And Paul Enns, our band leader, will sing a rollicking song to close the program. First, though, here's a song that I've imagined Samson might have sung. Forever growing stubble. I'm forever growing here. I've not, I assume, had a razor blade groom, any whisker or plume since I left the womb for God a bit before my conception told my parents I should ne'er be bare up there so I'm forever growing stubble growing stubble and long hair oh the Lord made a plan that I be the man to rescue Israel on my own from many umpteens of wild Philistines without using much more than a bone and so the good Lord decided I'd Provided I'm forever growing stubble I'm forever growing here Sometimes I crave a cut or a shave But were I to cave I could not save the many men, women, and children in that area where there's warfare. So I'm forever growing stubble, growing stubble, and long. Thank you, thank you. So that was the old song, I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles, with new words based on the book of Judges. Well, in most episodes of the Pilgrim's Pod, we ask a listener to tell us a true story 
which they think might be a good illustration of something in the Bible. And I believe this time we have Johan on the line. Hello, Johan. Yes, how are you? How are you, Wit? Oh, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Well, what Bible verse do you have for us? I've got for you Romans 5, verse 6. Oh, yes, yes, I know that one. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's it. That's well, that's a terrific verse. And what story do you have about that? Well, once here in Joburg, I was working as a waiter here in the function centre, and I had to serve food at a dinner where people were sitting at some very big round tables, Will. <laughs> yep. At one stage throughout the evening, I was serving someone a potato, but uh, of course I dropped the potato and it rolled into the middle of the table, I, I couldn't reach it, Will. I <laughs> you mean it, it rolled right into the middle of the table? It slipped and <laughs> the potato rolled right into the middle of the table and I couldn't reach it. And in fact, well, it stayed there for the rest of the night until the cleaners came and got rid of it. <laughs> right. And does that illust- what does that illustrate? Well, I picked the verse that I told you before, Romans 5, 6, and yep. at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, and at the moment when I was powerless... <laughs> yes, to get the potato. I was, I was powerless to get the potato, and... <laughs> right. Thank you, no, Johan, that's terrific. Is it in Joburg sometime? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Sure, I'll look you up when I'm there. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, one of the people who makes those phone calls work is Andy Beer. He's one of our sound engineers here at the Pilgrim's Pod, and he actually has a very interesting collection of telephones that I thought we could discuss. So please welcome Andy to the microphone now. So how long have you been collecting telephones? Uh, Since I was at secondary school, yeah. Oh, so how old? Oh, uh, I must have been about uh, 13 or something like that, yeah. Oh, why did you start collecting telephones? Uh, well, um, my, uh, my math teacher, she realised that I liked uh, old technology and uh, she felt that I could, um, well, to get my homework done, she decided to bribe me by offering me an old phone. Right, OK. <laughs> and did, did that work? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but was that, so that was, had you thought about collecting telephones before that? Uh, well, I, I was already collecting old uh, record players, uh, anything, I was interested in old technology, so yeah. Oh, right. And that was your first ever telephone? Yeah, I've still got it, yeah. Oh, wow. And how many telephones have you collected since then? Um, well, I, I've got about 100, I guess. 100 telephones? <laughs> <laughs> So what would be your oldest telephone? Uh, I've got um, what's called a skeleton phone, and uh, uh, the original version was uh, about 1895, but this one is from just the early turn of the century. Oh, right. How much would that be worth? If you don't uh, oh, yeah, they're only worth about five, six hundred pounds, because you oh, can't right. actually use them anymore. Oh, does that reduce the value? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Oh, so that's your oldest telephone. Um, I understand you've recently got married. Is, yeah. Is that right? I'm just curious, how does your wife, your new wife, does she like your telephones? 
Uh, well, yeah, yeah. She's she didn't marry to you for your telephone. Did she? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, when we were going out, I made a telephone for her as a present. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I took an old phone and uh, I got it coloured purple because that's her favourite colour and I turned it into a mobile rotary dial phone. As, oh. So, yeah. So you mean a, a sort of an old style, the size of an old phone, household phone? Yeah, yeah. But mobile in what, in what sense? Well, it takes a SIM card, you can carry it about, charge it up, carry oh. it about. <laughs> yeah. so, so you could... You mean you could take it with you out onto the street? Yeah, it's a bit heavy, though. <laughs> but but you, could, you could go and have a picnic in the park with the telephone. Yeah, have, you, yeah. have you ever done that? Uh, no, we never tried it. We oh. could do, yeah, yeah. But you do take it out. Do you take it out? Uh, no, no. OK. Oh, well, well, uh, well, I suggest maybe you should, if, if you want. <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you want to. Um, so... Would you? I think you were about to say that she's sort of learnt to accommodate your uh, telephones. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. How much room in your house? To, yeah, well, how big is your yeah, house? Well, we're just renting, a, you know, a flat, so there isn't much room. But uh, yeah, so, so I'm limited to the number of phones I can bring. Well, how much of what proportion of the house does your telephones take up? Uh, well, well, not much, but I've, I've managed to sneak a phone into every room. Oh. So yeah. And I understand that in your parents' house you also had a telephone in every room and the telephones are all still there. Did you? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, in my parents' house uh, I put a phone in every room and then I built a telephone exchange made, made of bits of old oh, GPO really? equipment. Oh. So they can dial from one room to another. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So how many rooms are there in your parents' house? Uh, oh, uh, so, well... You know, if you include the shed and the garage, there's, there's nine rooms with phones in. And so nine phones? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. Or does some rooms have more than one phone? Well, some do, actually. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Which rooms have more than one telephone? Uh, well, obviously, uh, my bedroom had several and the... Uh... But were they all connected to the, the exchange? Oh, yeah, different numbers. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And, and it, in the study, I put an old payphone with this button A and B, and it was older people might remember. But oh, okay. What yeah. was the benefit of that? Or did you have to actually put coins in there to yeah, make it work? Yeah, you had to put in an old money as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh really? Okay. All oh, right. Oh, but did you have friends over and make a bit of money out of them? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, they didn't have any old money, so... No. Oh, you didn't give them the old money so that they could use the phone? Because that's a bit like the Lord. He, he, if he requires something of us as Christians, he gives us what we need to meet that obligation. So maybe you could have done that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I understand that your parents still, now that you've moved out, they still have all the telephones there. Yes, yeah. And I understand that that's become quite a blessing... Yeah, so originally the exchange was just there to, as an excuse to use all my telephones, but actually mm. my mum now has quite bad arthritis and the house is quite large, so it's quite difficult for her to get to her phone if the phone rings uh, or indeed for my mum and dad to communicate throughout the house. So they use the telephone system a lot now. They come to oh, rely right. on it. Oh, right. 
Well, that's a great blessing then. I wonder if they would ever have expected when you were installing this that it would be so useful. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been good ammunition for me if I'd known. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's an unexpectedly heartwarming outcome of your telephone collection. Yeah, that's good. Well, maybe that'd be a good note on which to end our little chat here. Please thank Andy again now, though. And you're listening to The Pilgrim's Pod, and you're with me, your host, Will McCarris. Well, in just a moment, I'll tell you another story from when I lived in Bucklebone, out near the edge of the great Australian outback. First, though, let's have another short piece of instrumental music. That was the melody of the Christmas carol once in Royal David City. Well, I'll tell you my long story now, and this is one I actually wrote down when I lived in Bucklebone, so I'll read out pretty much what I wrote down then uh, with just a little bit of editing. Here's a story about some cashew nuts. I've written it down because I think it shows what a wonderful and generous bunch of Christians the church here in Bucklebone is. Almost as soon as I arrived in Bucklebone, people from the church began to have me over for some very tasty meals. Very often at these meals, I would be served some of my most favourite foods. In fact, so often was I given such food that it occurred to me to make a list of my top 15 favourite foods. So that if someone gave me something on the list, I could say, that's in my top 15 favourite foods, thank you. (laughs) The list actually started as a list of just five foods. So I would often say, that's in my top five favourite foods. But some people who heard me say this a few times accused me of saying it in relation to more than five foods. They would say, you just say that whenever we give you a food that you like. And uh, so my sincerity was in question. And so I decided I would sit down and write down a full list. And sure enough, there were more than five foods that I used to say were my five favourite foods. And so I made it a list of 15. And from then on, I would say, that's in my top 15 favourite foods. And this always leads to smiles and warm feelings. The full list, if you're interested, is thick sausages, barbecued steak, cashew nuts, chewy Anzac biscuits, apricots, lamb cutlets, bacon, eggs squashed onto toast, roast parsnip, lasagna, cheesecake, potato bake, apple crumble, caramel slice, and chicken Caesar salad. Well, it was a very great treat to receive so many of these 15 favourite foods when I arrived in Bucklebone. And it was a great treat to receive some of them in particular. This was partly because some foods I really actually buy for myself because they're just too yummy and I can never eat them in moderation. So for example, I might buy a bag of apricots intending to eat perhaps a couple each day over a few days. 
but then I would eat them all before I even get home. And apricots are quite expensive, so you can't really do that. And so mostly I just won't buy apricots at all. Instead, I wait for people to give them to me. By the way, I would certainly recommend this practice to adopt in relation to at least uh, some of your favourite foods, particularly if you are a Christian, because it reminds you of the wonderful forgiveness of God for all your sins. Sometimes we might think that we can earn a little bit of forgiveness and the rest we need Jesus to give us, just like we might think that we can buy a few apricots but then be given some more. But in reality, we can't earn even a little bit of God's forgiveness. We need to receive all of it freely through Jesus' death and resurrection. And so if you have one or two foods that you never ever buy but are only ever given, it can be a good reminder of that. And it can also save you a lot of money, which is probably the main reason I do it. So that's all by way of saying it was especially wonderful to be given so many of my 15 favourite foods in my first few weeks here in Bucklebone. I was able to eat my yummiest of foods and also be reminded of the grace of God. However, there was one food on my list that I'm not sure I received in my first few weeks here. That was the cashew nut. You might have noticed the cashew nut was number three on my list. I love the cashew nut very much. Though much of the time, I have loved it too much just to rely on others to give it to me. So I still buy some quite often. But that presents the same old problem of how to stop myself eating them too quickly. Thankfully in that regard, the cashew nut, uniquely on my list of 15 foods, is one that stores at room temperature. And so, over the years, I've been able to develop some unusual mechanisms to help me eat them slowly. So in Canberra, I once lived in a flat that was in a complex with quite a long driveway. And I used to keep my cashew nuts in the letterbox. <laughs> Thus, I had to walk about 200 metres in order to get any. And my housemate liked to keep the letterbox locked as well. So I would have to take the key with me and unlock the cashew nuts. And this meant I could only take a small amount back with me to the flat. That was because, unless I brought a container, I'd need to have one hand free to be able to lock the letterbox again. But sometimes I did just stand at the letterbox having a little feast. <laughs> Though I couldn't really do that very often either because people always seemed to be walking by and I didn't want them to see that I had cashew nuts in the letterbox. <laughs> Another method I used to restrict my cashew nuts was to keep them up in the roof. I did that at one place where I worked. So I had to open a door to a storage cupboard and climb up a ladder to get them. In Bucklebone, I have combined these two methods. My house is about 200 metres from the church building and I usually work from home. So as long as I keep the cashew nuts in the church building, it's reasonably hard to get them. And to make it even harder, I sometimes even attach my bag of cashews to the top of a painting in the church. I use a bulldog clip to hold the packet shut. This has worked very well, though once I forgot to take them down before the Sunday service. And so the cashews were still attached to this painting as everyone was gathering there to worship the Lord. Thankfully, though, no one noticed them. It might have been quite a distraction if someone had. So in my first few weeks in Bucklebone, I certainly wasn't without cashew nuts. I had a steady supply that I could eat in moderation. But obviously, I would still have loved to be given some as a gift. But as I said, I don't recall cashews ever being served when I first started being invited into people's houses here. I did probably mention cashews occasionally when I was asked to list my favourite foods, but I suspect I often emphasised the foods that I was being given on that occasion, 
So I don't think people ever really knew how much I loved this particular nut. But then, at about 6.30 on a recent Wednesday night, something very exciting happened. It was my birthday, and some of the church were putting on a barbecue for me at one of the properties out of town. I arrived almost exactly on time, and I walked into the kitchen to see who else had arrived. And there on the bench, appearing almost immediately, was a bowl of cashew nuts. Glory! Here were some free cashews, cashews of grace, that I could simply enjoy as a gift. And plenty of them. The bowl was only a medium-sized one, but it didn't occur to me that the cashews might run out. As cashews of grace, they seemed vast and unmeasured, boundless and free. I spent most of the next half hour quietly munching on them, chatting to some other people there. And this was very enjoyable. However, more and more foods kept arriving on the kitchen bench, some from the barbecue outside and some from the newly arriving guests. And so it occurred to me I'd better start going easy on the cashews because there did seem to be a great variety of food coming in and I certainly wanted to leave room in my tummy to try all of it. Then a succession of these other foods caught my eye. There was bacon, parsnip, cutlets, thick sausages, steak. This was my 15 favourite foods. Could it be that a seemingly casual birthday barbecue was actually a carefully orchestrated plan to serve up all of my favourite foods in one sitting? I opened up some other dishes that were covered. Potato bake, lasagna, apple crumble. Surely it was. I asked someone about it. Yes, yes. I cannot tell you the joy that came over me at that moment. And what followed then was truly a feast of feasts. By the end of the day, I'd eaten 13 of my 15 favourite foods, including the eggs squashed onto toast I'd had for breakfast. At the dinner, only the chicken Caesar salad wasn't available. And despite there being some Anzac biscuits, I could not fit even a single one in. But it was the happiest of meals that I ate there, together with the little family of believers in Bucklebone. And a great picture, I think, of the free banquet to come when Jesus comes down to live here on earth again with his whole family. The end. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, to finish this episode, Paul Enns is going to sing us three verses of the old hymn, Hallelujah, What a Saviour. So my thanks to Paul, also to our other musicians, Michael Andrews, Pat Longley, Phil Alexander, Phil Wayne, April Frederick, Pedro Luong, James Harper, John Childress, Tom Bender, Samuel and Sam Folds. Thanks also to our sound engineers, Shane Wall, Chris Ferguson and Andy Beer, especially to Andy for having a chat. And thank you to John Huvenars for his help with this episode too. My name's Will McCurris. This has been The Pilgrim's Pod. Goodbye. Condemned tears
stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior lifted up was he to been listening to the Pilgrim's Pod. If you've been liking our peas and our beans, please head to our website pilgrimspod.org where you can watch a couple of music videos that we've made. We've also made an album of most of the Bible songs that I sing on the program with narration in between to make for an overview of the whole Bible story. So please head to pilgrimspod.org if you're keen to hear that and please do listen here again next time too. <laughs>